Welcome to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension soybean specialist, Dr. Sean Castile, and Extension corn specialist, Dr. Dan Quinn. On this episode, Sean and Dan review the planting progress made last week with nice weather, but also how the weather likely won't be favorable moving forward. We're planting... um I'd say on the hours, not on the days, to get this crop in. You want to push, you want to go as fast as you can, but still taking that time as you move from field to field to get out of the tractor. Check that planter, check the depth. This podcast is made possible by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance. Your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday are paying off today. New research, new uses, demand creation, bringing dollars back to the farm. Check it out at yourcheckoff.org. Now your host for Purdue Crop Chat, who's your ag today's, Eric Pfeiffer. Well, we finally saw some nice weather last week, and we started to make some progress across the state. Actually, significant progress, according to USDA. 40% of the expected corn crop is in the ground, 28% of soybeans. And here to chat about it, Dan Quinn, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist. Hello, Dan. Hey, Eric. And Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. Sean, hello. Howdy, Eric. So, again, big big progress last week. It, it finally just kind of opened up for us. We've been seeing cold, wet. It kind of seems like we went from, from winter to summer in many respects, but um, you guys tell me, what are you seeing around the state? Dan, we'll start with you in this corn crop. It seems like it's uh, a little bit further ahead at this point, 40% in the ground. What are we seeing across the state? Well, I think you looked at last week, um, you know, we went, I joke, we went straight from March to July yep. um, last week. Um, so that, that opened things up for a lot of guys across the state. Um, we had soil temperatures in the high 70s, 80s, um, pretty good soil conditions across the state um, as well. Um, I think probably every field that you drove past, there was a, some form of tractor, either tillage, planting, spraying going on last week. Even in our own research trials, we really pushed um, across the state to get a lot done. But we're still sitting at, at 40%. So 40% planted, we're still about 20% you know, percentage points behind last year and about 14 percentage points behind the five-year average. So even though we were able to get it pushed um, quite a bit last week Um, we're still a little bit behind and you look at the weather that we have you know here in West Lafayette we got 2.3 inches of rain on Saturday Um, it's foggy it's misty Um, and the central part of the state got a lot of rain yesterday some folks up in northwest Indiana northeast Indiana are a little bit drier where they can go Um, but now it seems like we're kind of starting to slow down again but but last week was a really good week um, to get a lot of acres in uh, because of the weather. And Sean, same with soybeans. Folks yep. are getting those in too. Yeah, so um, certainly you think about the soybean front. We're we're fall, falling behind as well. I think you were saying we had 28% planted by the beginning of this week, and um, the previous week we only had 7%. So having 21% planted in a, a week's time is pretty good. Uh, over the years, I've seen anywhere from 25 to 30% advancement in acreage in a week's time. So we're about as full force as we could. Uh, we took a little off the chin here because you know, more people were planting corn last week for some reason. And uh, I think uh, if I was looking at the numbers right, they had went from 11 to 40 percent. So you've got, you know, 29 percent. So a little bit more emphasis on the corn and rightfully so. And try to get that in, that wimpy crop in the ground. But no, in that, no, in particular, no, a really good week. And if you think about how much we gained in that week, 
it was in a relatively short window. I don't even mm-hmm. think we had, you know, we didn't have seven days for certain. I don't even know if we had five no. good working days last week to have that kind of progress. So it, it just screams to the, the ability of our farmers to get a lot done in a short amount of time. Uh, I think about you know, the weather that we had last week around 85, 90 degree weather. And, and on those kind of days, on some of this soil that's a little bit heavier, it looked great on top, but boy, it was still pretty nasty underneath. You know, yeah. as you dig down and you, you get a ball of, of mush at three inch, you're like, okay, and you see fields being run at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and put the crystal ball out there, Eric. We're gonna have some tire compaction issues. Just <laughs> gonna go ahead and say that. Um, but, you know, with that being said, we can get through that with timely rain. So, right, you know, you, you pay the preacher, right? We might be able to still get through that. And eventually you just get to the point you've got to pull the trigger. And so I, I think everyone kind of has that understanding. But I dare say we're probably going to have some issues with seed slot closures, some sidewall compaction. Some of those things are probably going to start uh, ticking up a little bit. Um, but what did get in the ground, I think we had a good opportunity. We're planting, um, I, I'd say, on the hours, not on the days to get this crop in. Now, you, you talk about the timely rains. Now, from what I'm hearing is some of the stuff that did get in late April, the, the rains that did come, we, we had that really nice stretch, mm-hmm. but the rains that came were, were needed at this point. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, I mean, we were seeing some crusting. We were seeing some different things happening there. I mean, it was a timely rain, even though people probably would have preferred it stay dry so we could get more planting progress done, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing we saw last week, you know, with the, you know, folks that were able to sneak in some of their crops a couple of weeks ago, it jumped out of the ground um, with those high temperatures, you know, really dictates, especially on the corn side, getting that crop up and emerged. So last week, you know, it was like a night and day difference. As soon as that temperature changed, we started seeing crops pop out of the ground. And I think that's really important when it comes to, you know, potential crusting issues or potential issues, just getting that corn plant out of the ground. And that was a really big um, indication last week with the with the temperatures. And, and from what I've seen, a lot of the fields that, that were able to get out of the ground um, last week, you know, looked pretty uniform, looked pretty good. Um, so it was good to see that those crops were able to get out of the ground pretty uniform pretty quickly with those increases in temperature. Yeah, and you talk about timely rains and timely temperatures. Mm-hmm. It's all in the eye of the beholder, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, and I, I deal with it. I think every <laughs> farmer deals with this. And so you think about those that are, okay, I got it planted. All right, it's a little cloudy. I worked that ground a little early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could use that rain, but just on this field so then I can finish <laughs> planting the rest of my farm. And I think we have a lot of that going on. Uh, I had a planning date study that we were able to sneak in, quite literally sneak in on like Monday, May 2nd, and it was just about as perfect as we could get, and then rains hit, and it was crusting up, that 85, 90 degree weather was coming, I was like, great, we're going to have, you know, crusting issues, we're going to start to snap the necks of the soybeans, and then we get a little bit of rain, and so I think it's a little saving grace there, uh, help us get a stand established and work through, you know, that heavier crusting kind of condition. Now, we talked a little bit about where we're at from a progress standpoint, and we'll, we'll talk corn here first for a moment. It's it's hard because really last year and the year before, we were way ahead. We, we got out very early, and then you go back to 2019, very late. So even this five-year average, just do, do we know what a normal year <laughs> is anymore? I mean, that's, I guess, the, the big question. How far behind are we actually, and what is a normal year anymore, Dan? <laughs> That's a good question. What is a normal year? Uh, <laughs> I think it, you know, one thing that I've kind of thought about and, and talked about a little bit is that, 
you know, I think the new normal is these swings. Um, I think it's just the way, you know, weather variability and climatic variability and what we're seeing, we're just seeing these swings where we get very intense rainfall. A lot of times we might be delayed planting and then we'll have a year where it warms up really early, um, where we're able to get in. So, so what is the new normal? Um, good question. You know, I wish I had the, <laughs> the exact answer, um, of that, but, you know, I think, we're approaching the point where we're getting, you know, delayed. Um, usually you think about corn planting progress, typically end of April, April 20th around there is usually when on normal, you know, years we are able to ramp up that planting progress and we're able to get most of it in by mid May to late May. Um, but we're seeing where that planting progress is starting to get delayed. I think I looked back in the last uh, 20 years or so and saw, you know, US wide, you know, 2019 and 2013, where we're at right now is really the th ranked the third most delayed beyond those two years in the last, you know, 20 so or so years. So we're on that edge of where we're getting delayed both in Indiana and across the entire Midwest. So I, we are behind at this time. Yeah. Anything about the soybeans? Uh, normally about the 20th, 21st of May, mm -hmm. over my long tenure here, as you call me the elder <laughs> statesman now, uh, you know, we have about half our crop plant of, of soybeans by the 20th, 21st of May. And so we're at 28% of the May 15th. And I dare say we're probably going pretty close to that 50% mark with what we snuck in this week when the report comes out next Monday is my guess, maybe 40-ish percent. Uh, I would dare say that we are behind still, certainly whenever we have the planning progress of a 2020 and a 2021 in the mix. Uh, Dan, I agree 100%. The normal is this huge swings, these huge yeah. variabilities in terms of, okay, we got rains, we don't have rain, and then we can just go with it. Um, 2019, we had half our crop planted uh, by the second of June, second week of June. So now uh, on the average, we're about there, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's the average of these huge swings. So average is not the same as kind of this feeling of normal, like, okay, yeah. I've got a day, I can rest, I can go eat supper at 10 o'clock instead of midnight or 1 a.m. We just don't have that with these swings and temperatures and rainfalls and, and field conditions. And I also think too, with the climatic conditions we have, you know, a lot of these planting windows maybe are shortening too. Yep. We're just getting little spurts here and there. You know, you might have a couple of days here, and then we get. Two I think it's a couple rain. hours. I don't think a it's couple a couple hours, days. I think you know? it's, seriously, yeah. it's just a couple yeah. hour farming yeah. at a time. You know, you talk last week. We talk about the increase in planting progress for the week, but talking to a lot of guys, they weren't able to get in their fields to maybe Thursday, yep. maybe Friday, um, especially in the northern part of the state that they were a little bit more wet um, early on. So we're just seeing where these big swings we're seeing a lot shortened windows we're able to get in the plant and it's getting a lot tougher to get a lot of acres in um, in, in these windows i think this also just uh, helps us to understand how prepared we need to be mm -hmm. and so whenever it's fit to go we've got to run yeah. and unfortunately some of these conditions this year it was fit to run on a short period and then all right, everyone has it. As much as you prepare in the shed, mm. life happens in the field. And then you're, <laughs> I mean, I sat for three hours yeah. on a planting software issue. You, you, you tried to, but I mean, beautiful sunshine, it just, it happens. And so you work through it and just kind of have all your P's and Q's in a row and, and have <laughs> plan B and plan C's <laughs> are, are ready to go. Is, yeah. is there anything more frustrating than that, by the way, like oh in the God. world? Oh, no, yeah, I don't we, think so. We had last week um, two separate planners we were using for our research trials. We had electrical issues. We had 
vacuum pump issues, you know, so, you know, we're not at the scale that the farmers are at, but, you know, we do our, we do our, we've some got important work that yeah, helps everyone exactly. too, though, right? We've I'm got our research and our form of farming here yeah. at, at Purdue, and we still have some of those same struggles. So oh, yeah. I mean, the frustrations, Dan came in, I was chasing wires on my planter, and uh, I have nothing more than I hate mm. chasing <laughs> wires, and like you had yeah. the chasing wires in the field, so. Yeah. What we're saying is we're not just saying poor pity us, but it's like we understand and that we try to make the best of the few hours we have of planting and hope the farmers are doing the same. Now, when you talk about these shortened windows and, and planting by the hour, are, are there thir- certain things from an agronomic standpoint that folks need to understand uh, when they choose those hours that they're going <laughs> through? Sean, we'll start with you. Oh, I, I mean, as much as possible, you know, what's probably the frustrating moment is that knowing that you only have a few hours probably and that it's easy just to go to the field and race straight into it and taking the time is probably the hardest thing to do and what i mean by that is you're going to the field you're getting the planter set up you're starting to run just because you ran in the previous field the day before or the hour before each field's a little bit different on the drive there's something that could happen so don't just drop and go drop go for your 200 foot 300 foot whatever it is you, if your monitors are working great but still get off that tractor go check the seed rows make sure everything's getting good seed depths that field condition can be a little bit different and you know you need to adjust for that and then then hit it so that's probably the biggest thing i say it's a hurry up and go but let's be cautious on that fully full throttle hurry up and go until we know we're good for that field yeah, I think it's very similar on the corn side. It's, you know, you want to push, you want to go as fast as you can, but still taking that time as you move from field to field to get out of the tractor, check that planter, check the depth, you know, check that singulation um, of your seed. You know, be aware of, you know, you want to get done, but is it really worth maybe pushing up another mile an hour uh, when you're planting? Mm-hmm. You potentially could have issues on that. So um, it's important still to be, you know, we preach this, we've been preaching this for a long time to be patient. It's it's really, really tough, especially when you get to this portion of the year. But, you know, getting out of the planter, checking that seed um, as you do, you know, two, 300 feet in that field and checking conditions really well so that things are set and then, you know, push as much as you can. So, so Dan, were you patient on Saturday or trying to get that trial in? <laughs> As he called me and I wasn't able to make that that day. I don't, I, he doesn't have to answer that because I wouldn't have been either. So now, now, no. might, now might be a good time to go to break. Yeah, no, no, no comment. That's why I say it's easier easier said than done. It, it is. It certainly is. But I, I think that this is all good yeah. for us to understand as we move yeah. forward. One other thing that hits me in this idea of being patient, I, I, I continue to see these fields. Uh, in particular, I see more in the, the soybean fields that are going into no-till. They're just covered up with winter annuals. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm going to plant, I'm going to plant, and then I'm going to get back and spray it. Too often, that doesn't happen in a timely happen. fashion. Yeah. And then we end up creating a, a nightmare on our, our stance in terms of trying to get that, that burn down or get a good kill down. Uh, I, I remember I, I did no-till acres in the same way growing up as a kid. And we had just full of yellow, and uh, we just ran. And that was a nightmare to try to catch up and to take care of that, not to mention allergies were out the wazoo. <laughs> so in the hurry up, let's still make sure we try start with a clean field as much as possible or at least get the burn down working. Um, that's the other thing I would say. Let's go ahead and take that break. We'll let Dan breathe here for a moment. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take a break here on the, the Purdue Crop Chat podcast. And when we come back, I want to talk about maturities at what point do we need to start uh, thinking about changing changing uh, some things around there uh, going to plan b or 
C or D, wherever you're at in your process at this point. Uh, but I also do want to talk about some of the research that you're doing and, and some of the things that uh, you're, you're looking to do this year. What's on the horizon for uh, research here at Purdue? So we'll do that here coming up in just a few uh, moments here on the Purdue Crop Chat podcast. Planting a seed is an act of faith. And even if it makes it to maturity, Mother Nature and markets determine the value, right? Not when you've got your corn and soybean checkoffs. The checkoff is like a little seed coat of protection. It's like planting a penny to grow a dollar. In fact, with investments in research, new uses, and demand creation, we've seen a $12 return to the farm for every soybean checkoff dollar invested. Check out your Indiana checkoffs at yourcheckoff.org. And we're back. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Dan Quinn is here, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist. That's Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. And uh, let's let's talk. You, you've already said we're we're delayed. We're behind. It's <laughs> it's it's happening. We're here. We're in it. Um, at what point do we start thinking about changing maturities, switching mm-hmm. plans? Because you know you you try to stick to your plan A as long as you can, but folks might be on you know plan M by now. I don't yeah. know. You tell me. <laughs> Yeah, that's the big question we get, you know, as as things get delayed is when do I need to switch hybrids? Do I need to start, you know, moving toward an, an earlier maturing day day hybrid? Um, but, you know, I think we're still in the portion where you can still plant those full season hybrids. If we start getting into, you know, beginning mid-June, that's really when you start thinking about uh, potentially switching. Um, I'm going to give a plug here for Bob. So Bob put out a, a really good article, I think last week, um, that he, he updated. He's had this really good article for some time and he updated it last week, um, both on, I think it was in our pest and crop newsletter and then his website as well, that really does a really good job of understanding, you know, the importance on when to switch maturity groups and also, maybe hold off on switching too early. Um, so you think about corn, when we plant late, not, you know, hybrid maturity ratings are based on the amount of growing degree days it takes, you know, either from planting or emergence to reach black layer for corn. So you think about a 112 day hybrid, it might take 2,600 growing degree days to reach black layer. When corn plant, when corn is planted a little bit later, the corn plant actually shifts the amount of growing degree days it needs to reach black layer. So it actually decreases the amount of growing degree days it needs in order to reach black layer. So even though we're planting later, we're actually shrinking the amount of growing degree days we need. So even though you planted, you know, say May 31st, 112 growing degree days or yeah, 112 relative maturity hybrid had May 31st. If you look at, you know, the normal rating of 2,600 growing degree days, it might not mature till late October. But we actually found, and Bob did this research with Peter Thomason at Ohio State um, about 20 years ago or so, where they found that the amount of growing degree days actually is less. So we actually see if we plant late May, 112-day relative maturity hybrid, it actually reduces to about 2,400 growing degree days, and that corn plant actually matures about the beginning of October. So you're still okay even if you're planting into late May. So there's a really good tool. So if you look at that article that Bob uh, produced, um, the USDA funded a really, really important tool that I think is a part of our Midwest uh, Regional Climate Center where you can actually enter in the amount of growing degree days, and it kind of gives you an idea of when that corn plant will mature 
and when that first frost day is. So that frost, you know, get below 28 degrees in the fall, that's when we potentially could have issues if that corn plant is not at black layer yet. So I think that really, that tool, so work with your seed dealers, understand, okay, well, how many growing degree days is it from either from planting or from emergence till that corn plant reaches black layer? Then you can adjust, you know, with that tool, this is when I planted, this is how many growing degree days. One thing that tool does not do is adjust for that late planting, so lowering that amount of growing degree days. In Bob's article, he has a really good tool where you can enter in the growing degree days and your planting date, and then it gives you the number to adjust um, based on that delayed planting. So using those tools is really important to see, okay, if I plant this day, this is how many growing degree days it's going to take. This is when I'm most likely going to mature and reach black layer. Okay, I'm still before that first frost. So I'm still okay. Even if I plant a 112-day hybrid, even in late May or either even early June, those growing degree days are less. It still hits black layer before that uh, frost, first frost day. So using some of those tools is really important this time of year, but you start getting into, you know, beginning June, mid-June. I think that's when you start playing with some of those tools and you can start to see where, you know, that corn plant is just not going to hit black layer before that potential first frost. And those are some of the issues we want to pay attention to. And then maybe, you know, trying to think about switching that hybrid maturity, but it can be difficult too. You got to work with your seed dealers and what is that seed availability you're not you don't just want to switch hybrid maturities just to switch them they might have uh, we have a lower hybrid maturity but you know it doesn't have the stress tolerance it doesn't have the disease tolerance it's just not a very good hybrid so thinking about that um, it's really important too so working with your seed dealers so not just getting a hybrid to switch it because of maturity date but also paying attention to you know what are those hybrid ratings what is that vigor rating that stress tolerance disease tolerance does it still fit into my operation i think that's really important to consider as well I was going to ask just simply because, you know, going back, you know, 2019 is really the, the only time frame we have here. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked about tar spot a lot. Mm-hmm. Do we have a lot of information at this point on some of those other maturities and, and what what it's going to mean with, with tar spot? It's kind of taken over northern Indiana in many cases. Yeah, yeah. so I would say this this year, I know a lot of seed companies have really put time and, and effort in and rating their hybrids for tar spot. So I would expect really this year they would start really having some really good ratings for their hybrids based on tar spot. I know some of the work we did, a lot of the work that Darcy Telenko does here at Purdue, we did see pretty dramatic differences in tar spot severity based on hybrid type. So that's really important. So you think about potentially switching your hybrids and planting later, but it doesn't have that really good tolerance to tar spot, you could still be really in trouble um, later in the season. So you mentioned bringing up some of the research uh, we're going to be doing. You know, I'm working with Darcy uh, this year. We're actually looking at that exact question in northwest, northwest Indiana. We have two different planting dates. We have different hybrid maturities. So if we plant maybe 110-day hybrid versus, you know, a 95-day hybrid, how does that change that incidence of tar spot and severity of tar spot, but also the need for fungicide as well? So we are looking at that specific question. So, Dan, with the idea of switching hybrids and mm-hmm. for day length and everything else, um, you know, we're we're several weeks out from that decision to, to mm-hmm. begin with. Let's make that clear. But secondly, when you're making this switch, I mean, what kind of a switch are you anticipating? If we're in the first, second week of June, all right, you're typically 112 day. I mean, are you looking at uh, give me a five, seven day? What kind of switch are we anticipating? Yeah, I think it's, um, again, using using some of those tools to kind of give you an idea of exactly what that hybrid maturity you should switch to in order to get it to 
mature and hit black layer before that uh, first frost. Um, so potentially dropping it maybe five, 10 days uh, relative maturity. Um, but again, I think it's based on your location, based on, you know, I think that's why those tools are really sure. useful. It can kind of give you an idea. Okay. This is because you think about, you don't want to shorten it too much. Sure. You, know, you, you don't want, want to go to 112 yeah. to a 90 day hybrid and you're losing yeah. you know, a lot of yield potential. So you really want to try and get as much relative mm -hmm. maturity days that you can without um, getting it to uh, mature too late before sure. that first frost. Yeah. yeah. In terms of the soybean front, we're same way. We're, we're a long ways away from making that switch, that decision. And it's usually within the first, second week of June, we think, start thinking about making that call. So mm -hmm. whatever the full season is for, for your given area. So here in the East central, West central areas, um, they're going to be a three eighths fairly full season. So mm -hmm. maintain that if that's what you're on. Three fives are good, you know, mid, mid group to, for this area. And so keep, keep that until the end of May for certain. And then even as you go into the first week or two of June, I, I think we've got some flexibility there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that changes when we put latitude into this, right? You mm -hmm. think about the southern areas have a lot more growing season. That that typical fall freeze that you're talking about in the corn is the same way in the soybean front. And so, what's what's different on the soybean front in terms of you know maturity group is that we've got photo period and heat units you guys have heat units it's simple it's easy that's why you guys are in corn but photo period <laughs> comes in, sorry <laughs> no it's i i dog on you guys but no there's there's a lot on both crops here but with soybeans it is frustrating because it's not as simple as saying okay i'm going to go from a three eight down to a three four and so this means this much difference in heat units we just don't have that because we've got the influence of photo period and what that really is is the, the night length and as we plant later uh, we're going to have more uh, more of an influence from that night length and pushing us into reproductive development our, our soybeans here in the midwest they grow uh, it's called indeterminate right so we have vegetative growth and then we switch into flowering and continue to grow uh, vegetatively and so whenever we get later in planting we have less time both in terms of the calendar days as well as heat units before that switch occurs whereas you know we talk a lot about timely planting of soybeans late april early may we're we're kind of tricking the system is how I call it, you know, the idea that we can have more heat unit accumulation for growth and development, so more nodes, more trifoliate nodes, before that photo period pushes into flowering and pushes into reproductive development. So that's the game that we're having to contend with mm -hmm. as we look at later plantings. It's not to say that our yield potential is going to be, go down to, to nothing or is going to be severely hampered, but it is just going to be a little bit of a different plant. I'll put it to you this way. If we planted that May 2nd, that same uh, 3, 5, 3, 8 maturity, and now we're looking at Memorial Day planting, chances are those two plantings are going to be quite different. Same maturity, same exact variety, but it's going to have fewer nodes at that later planting. Um, it could still yield decently well, but it's going to have fewer nodes, and it's probably less likely to have the reproductive branches. So in many ways, that plant might look different, even though it's the exact same variety. Yeah, I think corn you know think about corn with the accumulation of heat units when we plant later a lot of times it's it's warmer in june and we can progress through those growth stages a little bit quicker so that again is back to the point that those growing degree days needed to reach black layer actually shorten when you plant later so adjusting that hybrid maturity you know oftentimes you don't have to jump the gun on switching that hybrid maturity as early as maybe you think yeah, what's interesting, I'd be curious, Dan, so on the soybean front, we plant timely, and we like that because usually we're a little bit cooler weather, so then 
our node development where we're, we're developing trifoliate nodes and all those elongation, the way that stem, that plant grows, is very slow. And so in other words, what I mean by that is that we're not going to have as quite as long of stem elongation. So that plant's actually going to be kind of compact, whereas we plant that same variety in late May, early June, making the assumption that, like you just said, that it's going to be warmer. The stem elongation is going to be even greater, which may not seem like a huge difference when we're talking a quarter inch versus now it's an inch or two. That stacks up quite literally. And so then our later plantings in many cases may even be a taller bean with fewer nodes. So do you experience anything like that in terms of the corn side, that internode elongations, so the leaf to leaf is taller with the later planting? Do you have taller corn or do you actually have shorter because now you're shorting the heat units? You know, throw some pearls of wisdom on me. <laughs> That's a good question. I think, you know, looking back, this is something that I'd have to look at more closely, but I think as you progress through those growth those growth stages a little bit quicker. We'd probably expect a little bit shorter corn, okay. um, a little more stacked inner nodes as that corn plant begins to progress through those leaf stages, probably a little bit quicker. Okay, so almost the opposite of what you mm. see in soy. Okay. Now, we focus a lot on corn and soybeans, obviously. It's that time of year. Can I ask you about wheat sure. at this point? Um, sure. So, so I've heard from some other folks as we go through the season here, and we had that, that big stretch last week, a lot of growing degree units last mm-hmm. week, and now we're to the point where we might start seeing some things happening with wheat and maybe time for a fungicide application sure. happening here soon. Yep. And we all know what prices are doing. Obviously, yep. you know, the past couple of days haven't been great for wheat as we sit here on Thursday morning and, right. and talk about this. But still, prices are pretty darn good. Sure. And uh, I think there's there's kind of this increased focus now on management of wheat right now because of the value of it. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so where, you, where are we at with this right now? Yeah, so I, I actually I was just talking last week in terms of wheat, um, a consultant up in the northern part of the state, and because uh, we were hitting 85, 90 degree weather, getting in some sands there, and so like what this wheat crop is valuable. I mean, more valuable than it's been in a long time. You know, are we going to have issues with water supply? So I'll start there. That's not every acre of wheat can can have this access, but the thought process of um, the two week, basically about two weeks before flowering, two weeks after flowering are critical for wheat in terms of uh, setting the stage for good uh, pollination, uh, good seed set, and then starting to fill those out. It's similar, I would even say, with corn and both these grass crops. You think about the tasseling point of corn, and you know if you're stressed out, you know a week or so before or two before a pollination, and then after that can have an issue with okay number of kernels. Again, I'm I'm stepping over in some <laughs> other areas here, but you know, and then how well you have pollination and and seed set. So the same thing's occurring on the wheat side. So that's on the water supply. Um, the other side of it, um, you think about flowering, that is uh, the time where we, we put out a lot of fungicides, uh, the potential to put out a lot of uh, fungicides because we want to be protecting that flag leaf. We want to be protecting that developing seed. And so, yes, certainly now as we get this hazy, I mean, it is, I mean, it's thick as pea soup still. 200 foot is the best, you know, viewing distance here at, you know, 930 in the morning. And so, I mean, those are going to be conditions that are going to be prime for disease development. So if we're still within that that growth stage, which a lot of our wheat should be, um, it's just a matter of can we get across acres without, without causing a lot of damage, tire damage and things like that. But I certainly think that some of these fungicide applications would still be, be warranted uh, for the wheat crop. And let's talk priorities because we are getting later and, you know, there are only so many farmers around. Sure. Um, what should we be prioritizing right now? Should we be prioritizing getting a fungicide on that wheat because of the value of it? 
Soybean planting, corn planting. Who wants to speak up and say mine needs to be the priority? Oh, I got both. Corn, uh, corn does not need to be the top. It needs to be wheat and soybeans. I got two, two to one here. No, um, I dare say that we'd want to say all of it, but yeah. I'll let Dan speak. Yeah, I, would, I mean, first comes first is always corn. It's the most important. Um, one thing I was going to bring needy. up, needy. <laughs> one thing I was going to bring up too is you know the insurance dates. You know, I think that that factors into it for farmers too. I I think, you know, corn, the final plant insurance day for corn is before soybeans. Um, so getting that corn in, you know, I think is, is really important um, from an insurance standpoint uh, before that final planting date. Um, we get even more delayed, dare I say, that maybe farmers might switch to, to soybeans because of that. Some oh, the of the savior crop, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that very lightly, um, but that's that's another factor too. But I think it's, you know, all of them are important because of the way the prices are right now. You know, yeah. corn prices are good. Soybean prices are good. You know, you think about wheat. You know, back in my day, you know, when I was a young master's student, I worked with wheat <laughs> up in Michigan. And, you know, I know that head scab, you yep. know, if you get disease on wheat with the price that yes. wheat is, you can get really burned um, really bad. Um, so I think that's that's a huge priority for folks that have, you know, good-looking wheat at this time period and, and with the prices the way they are. But, you know, all of them are, are, are important um, at this time. I think what it comes down to, when you, you bring in all three crops, um, I'm going to go with the mindset on the wheat front that, okay, you've got some days that you're down. Let's make sure you know where that crop is because it is to kind of, it, it's kind of maybe on autopilot in a way because you're trying to get corn and soybean. To, so take this opportunity if you are in the, the waiting period, see how far along you are on the wheat if you haven't done anything in terms of foliar fungicide applications. And again, you know, the flag leaf, you know, talk about, Fusarium, the dawn that could come in terms of um, contamination and, and dockage there. So just be ready for that. But then also get the phone calls made. I'm not saying that every wheat farmer's going with their ag retailer, but there might be a good portion. So then it's like, okay, this is what I want done on, on the wheat acres. And so maybe even bring in a plane or something else. So then that could be already in the mix. And then you can switch over to whether it's corn or soybeans. I think, again, both those crops, the corn and soybean, we want to get in, in the ground. But I mean, you got to go with what's your management plan for your farm and what's really going to pay out in terms of logistics and time and money you've already put into it um uh, of course we'd love to have everything done at the same time but you've got to set some level of priorities and so thanks for setting us up that way yeah yeah field conditions are going to play a big part yes, of that no too doubt. every field's different so yeah i mean field conditions you think about you know in wheat it's it is growing uh, and so it's taking up water and so versus that more fallow or very young corn or soybean so that's probably going to be a little bit wetter than the wheat field and so uh, that might help play in this decision that okay yeah i can run on the wheat i'm going to go ahead and have it sprayed or again if you go airily uh, while you wait on the corn and soybean fields to, to dry up a bit more you're listening to purdue crop chat brought to you by your indiana corn and soybean checkoff organizations visit yourcheckoff.org. Uh, the podcast is getting a little bit long here but i mean it's not like farmers have anything else to do right now <laughs> they, they can they can take a listen to this right i mean they're 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 farming by the hour right now anyway so uh let, let's talk uh, quickly about some of the research that's happening dan you mentioned some of it uh, I know tar spot is is obviously big, and a lot of research needs to happen there. What else is happening around the state? I know you're you're traveling a lot and putting a lot in the ground right now to to do some of that research. 
Yeah, we have, you know, research, you know, all across the board on, on a lot of different topics. I think that's, you know, a blessing and a curse that we always say of being an agronomist is, you know, we kind of have a lot of different topics and a lot of different things and we get a lot of different questions. You always joke that the agronomist gets every question. Um, so we have a lot of different topics. Um, you know, we have research trials a lot on nitrogen. You know, nitrogen is, is always going to be important. I'll probably be working on nitrogen and corn 40 years from now. You guys still haven't figured that nitrogen. <laughs> Thing, thing. I mean, like 40, out. I mean, that is job security. Oh, it's nitrogen. I got that yep, again. Yep. So job security, but what using. Is, what has Bob been doing for the past 40 years? <laughs> that was not my comment. <laughs> but, you know, in, introducing some of these technologies, um, you know, using sensors to predict variable rate nitrogen, um, trying to be more efficient with our nitrogen, you know, different timings, late season timings. Um, we've talked about, we've had quite a few podcasts about cover crops and, you know, some of that conservation agriculture culture and I'm really kind of centered around, you know, how do we make corn work in these conservation practices? You know, they're important practices, but if you can't make corn work, you're not going to make these conservation practices work. Um, so you got to make that cash crop work. So we're looking at studies, you know, looking at planter equipment and nitrogen timing and agronomic practices and these different types. Um, we have some different trials, you know, we one study where we're looking at seed orientation you know i was joking with my students that i'm gonna have to buy pizza that day because we're actually planning it by hand and looking at different seed orientations oh if um, i was your worker <laughs> I'd, I'd up the ante pizza's not gonna cut it that's like a steak dinner come on steak dinner or something um but different seed orientations you know the tar spot aspect uh working with darcy on looking at different planting days and different hybrid maturities and can we get that corn plant to maybe progress a little bit quicker get into these later growth stages before that tar spot moves in maybe reduce some of that need for fungicide um, we have a multi-state intensive uh, management trial both in michigan kentucky and across the entire state of indiana so really looking at that grain fill period and you know a lot of the different treatments that that farmers want to look at you know micronutrients and inferro fungicides and you know sulfur and all these different aspects combined and and also john and i have a trial you know looking at at irrigation um, and fertigation both in corn and soybeans so there's a lot of different topics a lot of different research that we have really across the state um, we have on-farm locations and we use our purdue ag centers all the way from the southern portion of the state all the way up to the northern portion of the state so a lot of questions we're trying to answer um, a lot of research um, going out Dan sounds busy. How about you, Sean? Oh, I'm just sitting back now. It's easy street. You already heard. Just, just watching him. Oh, I mean, you heard. I, he called me on Saturday. He was planting. I said, yeah, when yeah. you get done with that corn, you can go and do my beans. I mean, I got it easy now. I mean, really, someone that works around here. Yeah. So I don't have to do much of anything. So he's a he's a tenured professor. Oh, you know, so that doesn't and, mean anything. You know. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. You know, uh, you know, PhD just means you're piled higher and deeper. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. Uh, no, Dan, the, Dan is hitting the, the ground running. Running, no doubt it's got a full program so very impressed with that and answering questions that that need to be answered and so it's been a lot of fun to work with Dan as he talked about having a, a collaborative project or two and then in terms of the soybeans yeah we're, we're continuing on you know the sulfur that's been one I've been on since 2015-16 when I kind of ran into that and so we're continuing to fine-tune that and that's not an every acre but I mean we've certainly uh, spent a couple of days ago I call it my playground where I see sulfur response year in and year out and so we get we get crazy intense with the various combinations from, uh, we put out 20 different sources this year. I looked at timing, finally bring in some timing on sulfur where um, my recommendation has been a soluble source of sulfur as close to planting as possible. And you know, how long have we spent today talking about just trying to get 
the crop planted and then I want to bring in another another field operation of spreading fertilizer at planting or thereafter and I'm sure you know it's like can't we just go in March or can't we go in the fall and so uh, we finally got a point where we're, we're looking at some of that so we had a March uh, application by rate and by a few different sources uh, versus what we just you know, applied this week as we planted the crop and so that'll be fun to see how that shakes out to give hopefully give us a little flexibility in what we can do with that that management. Uh, we've seen some pretty interesting combinations with uh, management and sulfur, so timely plantings versus late plantings, and so we're continuing to fine-tune and understand that. Um, I'll go ahead and make uh, one comment on this front of sulfur is that you know if you have the choice between planting timely or getting the crop in the ground with where we're at now because i don't know if we're as timely anymore versus getting a sulfur application you better be planting get that crop planted we can come back we can make uh, some decent yield if that field is uh, responsive to sulfur so as long as we're getting the sulfur a soluble source applied an early development i like it as close to planting as possible but it doesn't do us any good to get a sulfur application out there without the crop uh, it really doesn't that's just going to set us up for leaching of sulfur and it's not going to be there for the plant so let's get the plant cr uh, planted in a timely fashion and get sulfur out as soon as we can thereafter but again planting takes priority in this case um, other ones that we're looking at, we've, we brought on a, a number of biologicals this year. I know that's been, you know, pushed for years. That's been out on the market for a, a lot of a lot of years, and it's like, okay, there's so many out there, and so we've got a, a pretty good spread of biological seed treatments this year, uh, as well as some foliar applications, some ground applications, and just starting to, to tickle into that a little bit. And then, of course, um, I mentioned a couple podcasts ago about, you know, we've had 60-odd site years of seed rate work and then the idea of, okay, when we get into these June plantings, my recommendation has been to increase seeding rate. Well, uh, we've got we've got our data that says we don't necessarily have to increase seed rate. We just have to have more plants per acre. And so we've, we're looking very, very poignantly at, okay, timely planted versus late planting by seed rates. And it doesn't seem like a, a novel thing, but yet it is to say, okay, what do we need to do in a management scenario? Do we really need to increase our seeding rate or just as long as we've got more plants out there on the acre basis? So that's just a, a little bit of what we're doing. And you know, we're running pretty wide open again to answer questions and provide the best recommendations we can. Well, Sean sounds kind of busy too. I feel like I'm not doing anything now. You know, I'm just hanging out <laughs> you know, in the we're studio. Always, we're always looking for you know extra help with you know, <laughs> oh, sand counts. Mercy, and, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think you want my help. <laughs> Have you that's... ever gone to the park and fed birds? Because you know, in small plots, that's all we do with these fertilizers. We're feeding the birds. <laughs> feeding the birds. Yeah. Yeah, I think they just got recruited. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, guys, thanks for doing this. And um, you know, we're we are right here in the thick of it. So I know you guys are busy and. Uh, you know, really just, you know, to make folks aware, we, we come together here. We try to do it every couple of weeks here during planting season to bring you the latest agronomic information and, and what's important to you. So if you've got questions for, for Dan and Sean, feel free to send those my way. I'm happy to ask them. Uh, Eric at HoosierAgToday.com. Obviously, you can find us on social media as well. Happy to pass those questions along. They're probably a lot smarter than my questions. So so please do uh, pass those along. So, Guys, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck getting out there and finishing up what you need to finish up. And good luck to our farmers, too. 
Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. This has been Purdue Crop Chat, a regular series featuring Purdue Extension's Dr. Dan Quinn and Dr. Sean Castile, made possible by the Indiana Corn and Soybean Checkoffs, the Indiana Corn Marketing Council, and the Indiana Soybean Alliance. The checkoffs are pleased to help bring you agronomy insights from Purdue Extension, Purdue Crop Chat, a service of Purdue University Extension, and Hoosier Ag Today, timely, relevant, credible.